we as a community have a problem when it comes to our black neighborhoods. We want to nurture and cater to the people that did not make it out. And we, we nurture and cater to them to a point where it becomes a deficit for the neighborhood because if we're only focused on keeping those people comfortable and we are not focused on the people that actually came from the same neighborhood, they were probably friends with the people that are still there, but chose to do something better with their life, to chose to sacrifice, to go to college, to build a career. If we don't build anything in these neighborhoods to bring them back, they will never come back. Welcome to The Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Uncensored Podcast. Today, we got a really special guest. I know you guys are always looking for um, interesting ways to invest, learn more about you know, diversified ways to make your money work for you. And if that's you, uh, this is absolutely the episode you want to tap into. So after 16 years of education and graduating with an engineering degree in hand, Chris quickly realized that he wanted more than a 40-year degree. 40 years in corporate America. After getting into day trading and watching the volatility in the market um, take out many traders, Chris found himself growing a passion for real estate investing, specifically investing in flips and rentals, but the focus has grown into investing in uh, disinvested communities and providing quality housing options for the surrounding communities. As of April 2017, Chris's company has embarked on its first revitalization project, which is a $3.8 million 14-townhome development on a block of property he has, he has owned since 2013 near downtown Houston. His life's mission is to impart his knowledge and financial literacy to those uh, who would not otherwise be exposed to the information. Understanding how money works is an important part of life's modern society. However, it's a subject that is not a major part of the curriculum in the school system. He wants to lead by example while bridging the gap for the future generations to start on the road to financial independence earlier than the usual 30 to 40 year retirement, which is the standard taught to lower and middle class. So with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Chris Senegal to the show. How you doing, man? Pretty good, bro. Pretty good, man. That's, that's a long bio. I got money. Yeah. Up. And that was the, that was the <laughs> burger, right? I was like, man, you know, you just, yeah. you've done a lot. It, it is what it yeah. is. And, you know, I just wanted to yeah. give you that background and context because before we formally hopped on, I just acknowledged you for uh, being somebody who's actually about this life, right? And I think one of the yeah. things I saw you say, say recently is, you know, you're not going to teach something you haven't done. Um, right. Now more than ever on the internet, it's easy to do. You can go grab somebody's content and give this grandiose uh, yeah. strategy that sounds good on paper, but you've never actually mm-hmm. read in real life. So that's what I really respect yeah, exactly. what you do. Um, so I know I just gave that 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 meaty bio, but if you just want to share with us, kind of in your own words, like just who you are and what you're all about for our listeners who may not know who you are yet, that'd be great. Yeah, so I'm uh, Christopher Senegal, of course. Um, born and raised in Southeast Texas, Southeast Louisiana. Um, 
So I uh, started off as a civil engineer, did the whole corporate thing because I was told to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Engineer took the shortest amount of time. That's the route I went. Got out in corporate America and I hated it, man. So I was like, man, you know, kind of been sold a dream, uh, not anything I wanted it to be. So I started reading books, man. And the book that really uh, kicked me in gear was uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I read that and I realized that there's other ways to make money or, you know, create income without you actually having to trade time for dollars. Uh, it really made me hone in on the real estate area. Um, so I started flipping back in 2008. And about five years into it, I kind of got bored with the flipping process. Um, too many headaches. It's not like they make it seem on HGTV. Had a bunch of <laughs> rental properties. Rental properties are a headache too. I mean, you're dealing with tenants all the time. Um, it could be good cash flow, but a lot of stress in it. So I decided to try my head in something bigger, which was um, development or acquiring you know, larger parcels of land or portfolios of, of properties. Because um, I realized it takes the same amount of work to do a single house deal as it does to do a bigger deal. There's more zeros behind it. But it's still the same analysis. It's still the same percentage of, of, of down payment requirement. You just may need to bring on an investor or something. And so uh, I, I took a, a liking to that side of the business more. And then after about three or four years of owning the entire block at a grocery store and four or five houses on it, uh, I noticed redevelopment kind of sparking in the area. So I decided to try my hand at development. And it's like anything else I've ever done. I've always just found the right mentors, you know. So I found a mentor that had done development and it kind of put me in a position to be able to you know, carry the torch. So that's why I am now doing new construction development projects. Nice, nice. So you mentioned, and this wasn't an original question of mine, but I think it's an important point. Um, so you mentioned finding a mentor. So how did you go about finding a mentor? Because, you know, one of the things that I mentioned is that online it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, right? You don't know uh -huh. who knows what they're talking about. And so how did, yeah. how did you go about finding a mentor? How would you recommend that someone goes about finding a mentor in any space? Number, yeah, the, the, the number one way to find a mentor is to get out and actually network with people and talk to people. The, the internet is cool, social media is cool, but the only way you really find people that have tangible results is actually getting out, talking to people, meeting with them, seeing what they actually have going on. Um, and you always have to be able to bring something to the table. Nobody's going to give you something for free. Unfortunately, a lot of people get upset when someone who's made it doesn't want to let them pick their brain, quote unquote. Um, but time is valuable. And what I've learned early on is find somebody that has the knowledge that you want, offer them something in return. It may not be money. It may be time. It may be a connection that you can bring them. It may be, you know, free assistance yeah. to sit up under them and learn. But all those different avenues uh, are the best ways. And always trying to get third-party validation. So every mentor I've had came referred to me from someone else who was in the industry and knew that person. Um, and they were able to vouch for me to that person for me to even get a conversation with them. And I was able to bring something to the table and they actually had the information and knowledge that I needed. So, yeah. 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 Dope, dope. Um, so one of your taglines, or maybe your main tagline, is I'm not looking for a come up, I'm building one. And me being like yeah. a true hip hop fan, I was like, yeah, that's a bar. Because yeah. Saying, but I was like, I already know what I think it means. But like, what, is that, what does that mean to you? Like, what does that mean when you say that? I, I, you know, a lot of, a lot of us um, look for someone to put us in a position to win, right? And, and, and you're, we, we get upset when someone chooses not to put us in a position to win because they're, they've worked hard and they've put, them own selves, they put their own selves on. Mm -hmm. Whereas instead of focusing on that, you, sh you should focus on 
building up your own portfolio, your, 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 your own track record of success by learning from others and, and doing things on your own. And, you know, when you, when you, when you do that, you're actually building your own come up and it's all depending on how determined you are versus waiting on someone else to offer you the opportunity to do something. You create your own opportunities. Right. Now that makes perfect sense. And I, I couldn't agree, couldn't agree more. Um, so yeah. you also talk a lot about uh, gentrifying basically like your own hood. Like, so mm-hmm. you know, why is that concept is so important? And like, what, is, what do you really mean by that concept? Like, why, why is that such an important thing? So when you look at the definition of gentrification in the dictionary, it basically says taking something from a lower class up to a middle class standard. And that could be uh, by creating something new or renovating something existing. Um, but the negative energy that we hear, that we feel around that word is usually because it happens in our neighborhoods and we aren't the ones in there uh, making the decisions on what that revitalization is going to look like, what that gentrification is going to look like. Um, but everything has a life cycle. Like, everything. So it's no different with the neighborhood. So eventually what's old is going to be reborn. So it's either you're going to be involved in that process, you're going to kind of control what's being being. Uh, created and, and, and preserve the heritage of the neighborhood or somebody from outside is going to come in and do whatever they want with. They're going to paint their own brushstroke over your canvas. So what I noticed uh, was like even here in Houston, there's a lot of flippers, uh, of uh, minority flippers of color, uh, black flippers, you know, but nobody was really focused on the development. Everybody was flipping a house, putting it on the market, selling it to whoever, you know, wholesalers, going to black communities, getting some under contract, sell it to the highest bidder. Nobody's really focused on trying to change the narrative on what can be done in the community. So for me, that that became my focus. That was like my, my pet project, I guess, was like, you know, we, we can sit and debate all day about it. But until somebody actually creates a model that shows we can go in our own communities, we can revitalize it, we can um, attract higher income individuals that may be from the community or similar communities back into these neighborhoods and make them thrive like they once did, um, you know, it... it until that actually is done by someone, it's, it's all up, it's all theoretical, it's all debate. So my focus has been making that a reality and it, my, my track record is showing that it is possible. Like I have I, every step of the process so far from being an entire team of minorities, um, from the contractors to architects to the realtors, everybody on the team, and being able to educate the black professionals on why it's important to buy in gentrifying areas because the va- the home values go up so quickly the value of the land everything goes up quickly um it, it's really become a working model that can be duplicated yeah well that, that's a great point man because and i don't want to keep beating a dead horse here but it's so important to follow someone who has a proven track record because i've seen mm-hmm. some people who you know get a lot of attention um mm-hmm. and they talk about theories and ideas and concepts and missions mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, i've seen you like I, i've seen the town home you know what i mean it's like yeah, you're, you're showing what it's look like and i just haven't seen that from some of the other people who you know are talking a really good game so you know i guess my question is how did you kind of develop this eye or understanding for when is when you should buy or where you should buy um in gentrifying areas right because you know, you bought your original plot of land that your mm-hmm. current townhomes are on, like back in 2013, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, how did you even have that foresight? Some of it, some of it is a little bit of intuition. 
Um, and it, it's also understanding market trends and what you, what you know for a fact is people always like new stuff, right? And no matter what neighborhood is hot right now, eventually it's going to die off and something else is going to be hot. So you look at what, what characteristics the other hot neighborhoods have and you try to find one that is untapped. So it's either buy something important, some type of attraction for the city. Um, it's near something that has a nice view, a nice scenery. Um, it's near major arteries for the city. Um, and you also want to go to the city's plans, the plans and permit website or the urban uh, department for planning. Uh, or you look at city council minutes and you see where the city is planning to invest dollars in the future, what areas they're, they're looking at to increase infrastructure and all that kind of stuff. And those are the markets you, you want to uh, you you bank on. So when I bought my property, it was literally right on one of the main arteries, uh, Highway 59, which uh, basically traverses the entire Houston city. And it's five minutes, five minutes from downtown, downtown skyline. Um, it was just it run down at that point in time. Um, but I knew eventually something was going to come to the area because I was watching the redevelopment patterns in the city and everything was kind of going counterclockwise around downtown. It's like the last quadrant that wasn't redeveloped. So I figured it was kind of a safe bet. It also had cash flow already because the grocery store was there and it had some tenants in some of the houses. So it was kind of a safe bet where I, I hedged my bet because it was still making money. So it was kind of paying for itself after I bought it. I didn't have to like invest a bunch of money into it. Gotcha. Okay, so you, so yeah. you owned that and it was already cash flowing property. Yeah. Okay. And the, then when you got yeah. redeveloped, you, you then, did you have to like demolish the... I did. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that so was I, yeah, smart, I did, I did. You had land that wasn't just land. You were you were able to sit on it because you had uh, yeah. cash flow. Okay, that's smart. And that, and, and that's, that's a good point because a lot of people don't realize that and they're getting over their heads. When you buy raw land, you have to realize that has no that has no revenue coming from it at all. So all of the carrying costs until you get ready to do something are going to be on you. So taxes, upkeep, maintenance, all that kind of stuff is going to be on you. And then you have, if, if you're going to do new construction or something, you know, you have a lot of upfront investment, like in plans, permits, design um, that have to come out of pocket. And then you start construction and you don't really make any money until the construction is complete. So you really have to understand the, 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 the investment and how long it's going to take you to start seeing a return on it. Otherwise, a lot of people buy land and, and they end up losing it. And that's why a lot of people stick to flipping more because you have, you have an asset that's already there. And you're just renovating it, and then you're putting it right back on the market, right? So it, it's kind of a different animal, but it's more of a long play. But it's what's necessary and what's needed in our communities, you know. So, so to be a developer, it sounds like you not only have to have the foresight for the long term vision, you also have to have a term I coined, the economic stamina, to be able to make sure that you can see uh, see that through. Because if you don't, yes, have, uh, a yeah. cash flow property or something on it, mm-hmm. you don't have to. You might have to wait, exactly. in your case, six years. Um, exactly. But several years to... Uh, several years, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. No, no you're right. It would, it would have been because I bought it in 2013. It's 2019 now, and I just started selling houses that I rented, you know, that, that I built. Gotcha. So, yeah, it literally would have been six years of covering all that expense. Yeah. Which, um, you know, that, that, that's a big pill to swallow. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, many people, like, are probably interested in the idea of getting into real estate, they might shy away from it because 
without knowing what it takes to get in real estate, you know, just the idea of, of buying a building or buying land, mm-hmm. it seems like you have to have a lot of money, right? And definitely mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge. So yeah. if you were starting over, knowing what you know now, number one, like how would you dispel that myth for people who are trying to get in real estate, ultimately want to do what you do, right? Be a developer, mm-hmm. but like what guidance or what high level advice would you give the person who's like, I want to get in real estate, but I don't got, I don't got enough money um, and I don't have enough know-how to be able to do it. I would tell them that this doesn't just apply to real estate, but it applies to anything in life. There's there's three things you need to be successful in anything. I call this the success triangle. So you need the knowledge, you need the opportunity, and you need the money. You don't have to have all three. You really just need to have one. And whichever one you have, if you have the knowledge, um, then you can go out and find the money. And, and when you find the money, when an opportunity presents itself, you'll be ready. Um, so, so I think the, the easiest one to get right now is the knowledge. So if you understand what it takes to, to do a development, which is number one, site control. So if you figure out that you have to find a plot of land that you can say, this is what my project is going to be on, and find a way to control it, whether it's working with the owner um, that has it and just having them joint venture with you, whether it's getting a contract to purchase it, um, those types of things you, you can do to identify you know, the, the actual opportunity there. Um, but yeah, so it, it's less about, I think how we're conditioned, we're conditioned to figure out, we figure out how to have it all, all at once. Exactly. You don't, you don't need it all. Um, yeah. I mean, and the knowledge doesn't even have to be you. Let's say you, you find a good realtor that understands the specific market and you find a good contractor that knows how to, has, does a lot of new construction or new builds in that market. You found the knowledge. So then you could take that and go to somebody that has the money and then, you know, those two can help you find the opportunity. Right. Right. So, or, or you can find the opportunity and the knowledge. And then when you have those two, you can go to people that doctors, lawyers, that just have money sitting on the sideline, not making a lot of return. You can show them how you could take that money and put it into a project and make them a lot more money, give them a 15, 20% return versus 3%, 2% in a, in a savings account. 8%, 9% in the average stock market or mutual fund, you know. Um, so it, it's very creative ways to get things done. Um, I think to sum it up, though, if you're new, you need two things. You need to be submissive in the, in the, in the capacity of uh, acknowledging what you don't know, finding people that do know, and number two, uh, be willing to give up some of whatever it is you're trying to do in the first couple of times first couple rounds and not try to be greedy and keep it all because no one is going to want to work with you if you're trying to keep a hundred percent of the profits. you got to be able to make it equitable for everybody involved. Yeah. So. Like, I, like I always tell people, I said, you want a hundred percent of the profits, you got to do a hundred percent of the work. Right. Right. And, right. and at the end of the day, like real entrepreneurship, will, real wealth building is more, at least to me, is more about time freedom than it is about anything else. Oh, definitely. You know what definitely. I mean? And so if yeah. I want time freedom, I'm going to have to be able to make sure that other people, you know, can win and be involved in the scenario, not just how I have to do it all, but so that, you know, I can have exactly. freedom. So I, I agree wholeheartedly yeah. with that. Yeah. It's, everything is leverage. The more you can leverage other people's time, energy, efforts, and money, the more you can do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was at the TEDx conference um, earlier this year. It's almost mm-hmm. about 2020. It was in January of this year. And one of the speakers, he said something that stuck with me. He said, 
what you lack in ability or resources, you can make up and leverage. Yes. Right? That's it's, it. And it's so true. It's so true. That's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I, I agree with that philosophy wholeheartedly. Um, yeah. my, my next question is, you know, what is most exciting and fascinating to you about like real estate, right? Cause you got in day trading. I heard the earn your leisure podcast. And I know that you had mm-hmm. at one point had, um, another business. I think it was, was it like a hair boutique or something like that? Yeah. Hair extension salon. Hair extension salon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you're an entrepreneur, you're trying to entrepreneur, right? You've done, you've had yeah. a few things. So yeah. what is it about real estate though? That like really fascinates you? I like the fact that there are fewer uncontrolled variables in real estate than most other businesses. Um, if you're most other business to consumer businesses, you're really dependent on foot traffic through the door. You're dependent on the economy um, because a lot of things are, are things that come out of disposable income for people. Whereas real estate, everybody has to have somewhere to live, right? Whether, whether they're purchasing a house, whether you're going through an economic downturn and they, they lose a house to foreclosure, they still have to rent somewhere, right? So there's always a demand for real estate no matter what the economy is. Um, think about real estate in general. Real estate is the oldest form of wealth building. Um, you know, they, they're not making more land. It's a, a, a premium asset um, that's not uh, inflated in price like a diamond, right? There's thousands of diamonds in storage. That's how to keep the, the price of uh, diamonds high. However, there is no land hidden anywhere. It's all out. What's here is here. That's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. I, I, it is what it is. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I mean, you can, you can look at a specific market. You can see what things are selling for, and you can project exactly what your end exit strategy is going to be, and, you know, what your, what your, your payout is going to be on the back end. So it's all about you making the right decision when you get into the, the deal. You know, which uh, like other industries is very hard. You, you can have the perfect, you can have killer designer clothes. You can have a great retail location, but for some reason, your business just doesn't pick up. Or it could be the same thing with a restaurant. You can have great food, all that kind of stuff, um, but for some reason, the patient is does not get up to where you want it to be. For, or there may be just too much competition, too many choices for the for the people in your local demographic community. So you know, yeah, yeah. I, no, like the, I got you. Yeah, that, that makes yeah. makes a lot of sense. Getting your money right can seem challenging. You don't know where to start or what to do. Fortunately, we found the answer. MyMoneyEDU is the fastest growing online financial education company in the U.S. We offer practical, valuable, and actionable financial resources to help you transform your relationship with money. Financial education, redefine. MyMoneyEDU. To learn more, go to MyMoneyEDU.com and check out our website, also, be sure to check out the show notes for more details. Um, so, you know, you're you're now you're selling you know townhomes that you developed on land that you own since 2013, um, and you had the foresight to kind of you know know that something was coming in that area. How is that panning out? Are they are they are people selling? I mean, are people coming to like purchase them? Like, it's kind of going how you envisioned it would go. So yeah, so. Um, the, I'm building 14 total. I built the first. I built the first three and completed them in about uh, September. Before completion, I had a uh, one house sold. Right after completion, I had a second house sold. Um, as of today, 
I just got a contract on the third one that I've built. And I actually have two houses that I pre-sold that aren't even constructed yet. So five of the 14 are already spoken for. And I literally still have 11 of the 14 to build, right? And so all of, like I said, all of my buyers so far have been uh, mid-30s working black professionals that work downtown, have you know, nice little six-figure jobs. So it's doing exactly what I wanted to do, bringing higher incomes back to the, the, the historically black neighborhood. Gotcha. So yeah. to, to the people that say, and maybe this doesn't apply specifically in your situation based on what you purchased and what you developed and what was there previously, yeah. but people who would say, well, I hear what you're saying and that, you know, you have a, a whole a, a team of black contractors and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but essentially the people who previously could have afforded to live there can't afford to live there now. So to that, to those kind of statements, like mm-hmm. what, what would you say to that? We as a community have a problem when it comes to our black neighborhoods. We want to nurture and cater to the people that did not make it out. And we, we nurture and cater to them to a point where it becomes a deficit for the neighborhood because if we're only focused on keeping those people comfortable and we are not focused on the people that actually came from the same neighborhood, they were probably friends with the people that are still there, but chose to do something better with their life, to chose to sacrifice, to go to college, to build a career. If we don't build anything in these neighborhoods to bring them back, they will never come back. And so what, what you end up doing is creating just a, a, a nucleus of the impoverished group with no examples for the kids to see if somebody that made it out the neighborhood to be successful. Because they're all living in the suburbs now. We have to bring those people back. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a myth that if you bring higher incomes back or you build nice stuff in the community, that it really hurts the rest of the community. We, the truth is somebody's going to build new stuff and somebody's going to move into that neighborhood. So it should really be somebody that looks like the community because collectively we can help those that never made it out. If there's more people that look like them, that have good jobs, that can be involved in politics, that can pressure city council to not raise their property taxes when other taxes go up, we have, you know, that, that benefits the community as a whole. Um, if you have the people in the community with the higher incomes, then when a grocery store looks at the neighborhood, they're more incentivized to want to put something there because they say, okay, I see the people that live here now can afford my, my produce. Uh, they, they see that they can make a profit, so then that makes them want to come back. We have, what we want to do is we want to say, no, 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 let, 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 let's nurture them, which is, which is great. I mean, it, it's, it's a noble cause to make sure we look out for them, but somebody has to stop neglecting the people that made it out and bring them back into the community too. Um, and the, yeah, yeah. No, that's real. I, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that because mm-hmm. people are so quick to you know, point the finger and say, oh, we're just forcing people out. But if we aren't bringing the people back, um, who look mm-hmm. like us, how are we ever going to invoke real change in the first place? Exactly. Nah. Exactly. And, and like you said, my model is different. Like, I'm not going in, I'm not knocking on old people's doors and asking them to sell me their house. I'm finding the blighted property, abandoned property, drug infested property. I'm taking it, tearing it down, and building something new. Like, the neighbors right around my development thank me every day. They're like, before you bought this property, I would let my kids go outside in the evenings because mm-hmm. I was scared. And now they're like, my kids can play outside in peace. You know, so there's a lot of positive that you can do in those communities instead of avoiding them and just, you know, saying we can't touch them because we don't, we're scared we're going to run the people out. 
yeah. but there's ways to there's ways to integrate back into those communities without negatively affecting the existing uh, residents. Facts, facts, and I like that a lot. Um, so I know you know just through my own experience, and then what you share on the podcast today that uh, real estate investing is definitely a worthy cause, but. Like, what are some of the things that people should probably be mindful of? Because again, going back to that social media example, like they might mm-hmm. look at something on Instagram, like, oh, I'm going to be a real estate investor tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. And they caught with the pants down when they get out there. So what are some things that people should be mindful of as they you know, attempt to venture into this space? Um, understand that with, with, a, with a big reward, there's always a big risk. And getting into real estate is not something that you want to do or approach like you, you, you approach school where you study, you figure it out and you try to take your own test, right? And you try to make an A on test yourself. You want to cheat off of somebody that's already been successful with it. Somebody that's already bumped their head. Somebody that's already failed a couple of times um, because they will have you thinking about things that you would never even seen on your radar about challenges you have with property. And one of the big ones I see is like a lot of people wanting to get into just buying rental properties or buying properties that don't have a big enough uh, margin between the mortgage payment and what you can rent them for. And they don't buy in markets where the, the demand is high enough to where when a tenant moves out, they can have another tenant ready to move right in. Right. So for an example, um, you buy a property, but the, the, the profit every month is only $250. So your mortgage payment is twelve fifty, but you can rent it for fifteen hundred, right? Well, if you're in a market where it takes you more, even one month to get a tenant, that that one month that you don't have a tenant in there, you've got to make that fifteen hundred dollar mortgage payment, right? That fifteen hundred dollar mortgage payment is equivalent to six months of your profit. That's two fifty times six. So you essentially wiped out six months of your profit um, just because you bought the wrong house in the wrong market trying to make it an investment property and god forbid you have any repairs above the deposit that can wipe out your profits for the whole year you know so understanding those yeah understanding those types of things is is really important a lot of people that's why a lot of people lose in real estate because they try to figure out on their own or they take advice from people that have not shown a successful track record themselves gotcha so do you do you currently have like coaching programs and things of that nature available or mentorship so for, for someone who's I, like this, yeah. I really want to yeah, I do. I do. So I have a, my, my, web, my website, com. I have a lot of um, different courses that you can go on there and take. Right? I also have a mentorship program here locally. Um, I try to make it affordable to get in. It's like $1,500 to get in. Um, but you stay in the program as long as you want. And, um, you know, I teach you how to do deals, whether you want to do wholesaling or you want to flip. Um, you want to do, you want to have rental properties and you want to do new construction. I, I teach all of those things. And I, I want everybody to kind of learn from each other and learn what each other player in the game is doing and what's important to them so that we can all collectively uh, make money together. Um, yeah. And so I, you know, I set you up with everybody that I have a contact with in any type, all of my, all of my vendors, all of my service providers, my title companies, my contractors, my realtors, you know, so you get uh, exposure to my full team. And I give you all the contracts that I've paid lawyers to draft, you know, just so that everybody can be set up for success. Because it's really something that I, I want to see more of us involved in, in our communities. Um, even if you want to stay in corporate America, you need that second stream of income so that you're not completely dependent on that job. Um, and, you know, by doing that collectively, we build more wealth within our community. 
So that's really that's my, it's, I look at it more as a ministry um, than uh, a a business because I could charge a lot more. There's people that charge ten thousand dollars for a weekend. We can learn real estate. I'm charging you fifteen hundred dollars, and I'm saying you can stay in the program as long as you want. You know. So yeah. So yeah. Well, good. That's good to know. So if y'all don't have to play the guessing game, I'm telling you, this man knows what he's talking about. Um, I've seen it, and I, and I think I have a good power of discernment to know that like he. He's about that life. So, guys, if you want to learn real estate, I strongly encourage you to uh, check him out. I'm going to put some information in the show notes when the show goes live so you have no problem finding it. Um, so, as we close out 2019 and we head into a new year, uh, what, what are you most excited about and what can like we expect from you? Man, I'm excited about closing this, getting this first phase of this project done because I will actually have a real solid case study of what's possible. To, for us to go back into our own communities and do. Um, I think that is going to set the blueprint for me to start teaching this development blueprint to other people in other cities that have allowed people to express interest about um, wanting to do the same thing. Um, that and I'm also going to, it goes back to your question earlier about the existing residents. I'm working on a, um, a rental portfolio uh, acquisition now where I'm going to be able to buy um, some commercial property that's on the historically black business district street in Houston, which is called Lyons Avenue. And behind it, there's 18 town, I mean, 18 houses that are all long-term rental tenants. And most of them are seniors. And what I'm, I'm going to be able to create another model that shows not only can you build new, but you can go in and you can purchase existing and preserve the, the lifestyle of, of the existing residents without them being fearful that they're going to be displaced. Um, so, yeah, so I will be able to round out the model and show both sides of the gentrification coin and how we can participate. Uh, we can make money and we can ethically make money, which is the most important. And we can, you know, really preserve the heritage of our neighborhoods. So I think that that's more important to me than anything. It's not, not about how much money I'm going to have in the bank. It's not about, you know, how many new houses I'm going to sell. It's really about the, the impact that I will have on the mindset of our community by, you know, creating those creating and completing these projects. No, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. If yeah, you want to come teach this model in Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, yeah, man. That over here, I'd love to, love to host and help facilitate that. So, uh, yeah, you, let me know, man. I'm definitely down. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, well, you dropped some great gems, man, and I know that people are going to definitely take a lot away from this podcast. Uh, my last, a second to last question is, uh, just mm -hmm. if you want to keep up with you, where's the best place, best place to just Stay connected with yeah. you. Learn more about all the stuff that you yeah. got. So two easiest way to find me, or I have a website that's just my name. It's chrissenegal.com. You can go there. That has links to everything. Um, and then my Instagram is my main social media platform. And my handle is basically investor with no vowels except the I. So it's underscore I-N-V-S-T-R. And, um, yeah, you can follow me on there. I'm always dropping gems on there, uh, giving a lot of free game. Um, it's educating us on a lot of the stuff that the showboat people don't tell you about. The gurus don't tell you about. Yeah, the gurus. The gurus, yeah. Yeah, man, I just try to keep it real on there and educate and motivate as many people as possible. No, man, last question I got for you, man, is what does living life uncensored mean to you? Man, living life uncensored means being able to make your own decisions based off of how you feel and not what other people think about what you're doing. Because 
when you try to live and you try to conform, you try to make everybody happy, you, you stretch yourself out and you slow yourself down. So when you can just turn, when you can ignore the censorship and just be out there living, you oftentimes will, tra will blaze trails that other people didn't even think were possible. Hey, I, I agree 100%. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. It was a pleasure. And thanks, thank you all for listening in. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of The Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours? What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for listening to the Uncensored Podcast. Whether you've listened to one episode or 40 episodes, I am so grateful for you taking any amount of time out of your day to listen to my show. Now, if you like what you heard, the best way to show me that you have an appreciation for this content is to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and share this podcast with at least three friends because that helps us spread the word, right? We don't have a big marketing budget over here at the Uncensored uh, Podcast Studios, which is my home office, by the way, but we do have your support. And with that support, we can reach thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. So guys, thanks so much uh, for your support. Please share this with three friends and leave a review and we'll see you on the next episode.